the country of Benin, and it's uh, in West Africa. You say it's very small. This is where you grew up. Can you tell us about the country? I've, I've never heard of it. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Uh, so, effectively, uh, I grew up in Benin. Benin is a small country in West Africa, um, next to Nigeria, uh, between Nigeria and Togo. And then and we were colonized by uh, France. So, we, uh, the first language over there is uh, French. And then um, I grew in Benin. Um, I was born in uh, 1970. And then went to, to seminary. And then, uh, uh, basically I went to diocesan seminary. And then after my, my, ter- my philosophy years, I just, uh, moved to Yudis Father's congregation, uh, which uh, is a congregation for, uh, those who want to, to form, to, to, to teach. And then, uh, I love this spirituality for St. John Yudis. And then uh, after my ordination, I went to Rome and to study four years for uh, uh, theology and liturgy. And then I was graduate, um, a master on, on liturgical sciences. And then after that, I came back to, to, to Africa and I teach as a professor uh, at a high seminary in Burkina Faso and Ivory Coast. So basically... Uh, I'm here. Yeah, and you've yeah. tried to travel quite a bit, it uh, sounds like. Uh, there's so many different angles I want to ask you about, but uh, is Benin a, a largely Catholic country? Uh, uh, did you come up and grow up in a very Catholic family? Yeah, no, um, I have to say that the Benin, uh, the first religion Benin is uh, what we call animist. So uh, people just uh, have their faith and to, to, to believe in, I don't know, something like uh, a sea, like a big tree. But is a, is a traditional uh, religion which uh, suppose uh, to have a relationship with uh, uh, not, they, they don't call that God, but uh, like a, a supreme being. That's it. Okay. So okay. is is that uh, what they, we call animism? Animism. Animism. But yeah. we have also a big community of Catholic in Benin, which will be twenty eight percent. So because animism was sixty uh, percent, and then uh, the, the 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 Catholic religion, religion Catholic, is maybe the f- second one. Yeah. And after we have the Muslim and the Protestant. That's yeah. It. Yeah. So, okay, so a lot of different religions there in the country. How, uh, how early in life did you know you wanted to be a priest, and how did that decision, uh, how did God call you to seminary in the priestly life? Okay, thank you. Um, I, I, born, I was born in the Catholic family, and so um, my mother was so involved in the church. And when I was young, <laughs> a baby, like uh, she, 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 she gave me, she went, me, she, she went with me at church, and then I have this love of church. And then uh, as I was uh, uh, maybe six years, I start to serve the mass. I was uh, actor server for a long time. And then uh, when I, 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 I love this, uh, this uh, religion things, altar things, I was all time with uh, the, the, the priest. And then I uh, asked to my, my pastor in this time, I want to go to seminary. I want to do like you. I want just to serve mass. I want to, okay. So, and that's not, that's just my, my source of the qualification. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the, the, the main thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. praise God for that. Uh, you mentioned St. John Eudes and his spirituality. 
I'm not, I'm familiar. I've heard of the saint. Can you tell us more about him and what is that particular spirituality of St. John okay. Eudes? So St. John Eudes is a great saint uh, from the uh, 17th uh, century. And then he's, for, he's born from, uh, he was in France. Uh, the region is Normandy. And then uh, St. John Eudes, uh, during his uh, his time of formation, uh, notice that uh, uh, people need a real uh, time of, they, they need to be accompanied by the priest. So uh, the, the, the great word is, uh, my people is dying because there is nobody to teach him what he needs to know. Mm-hmm. So St. John uh, take the decision to, 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 to form, to make a, a small congregation just to dedicate all his time for the formation. So the spirituality of Judas is formation and evangelization. Mm-hmm. So evangelization because uh, they have to form those who need to form the people. So it's for that we are especially uh, called to teach in the seminaries and the universities. Yes. And then uh, evangelization is the second part because we need also to be uh, next to the people of God and just to, co- to, to go with them, to, to, to try them to know what is essential to grow in their faith. Mm-hmm. So Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Frank Agbowai is my guest and he is serving at Mary Immaculate Parish and Farmers Branch as a parochial vicar. He's also the chaplain of the uh, Francophone community there, the French-speaking community here in North Texas. We'll learn more about that and how big that community is and exactly what his role is in that capacity. Uh, but let's talk about how you came here in the first place. Uh, how long have you been in the United States? Why did you come and uh, why Texas? Why Mary Immaculate Parish? Okay. Lots of questions there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dave. So I, I want just to come back to my roots, though. Yeah. And then, uh, yes, um, I used to come to United States because uh, I have a brother here, my brilliant brother, who lived here for 20, 20 years, uh, I think. But uh, for the, my story uh, with uh, the Diocese of Dallas uh, was in uh, 2000. 18. Okay. So I went here and uh, before coming, uh, one of priests, mine, my friend priest, uh, told me that uh, he has a small group here in Dallas, uh, a spiritual group uh, which need help with a, a priest just to, to, to let them know some, to, to, so, to, 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 to speak about of some topics. And then I said, okay, as I'm coming here, I can just uh, do that. And then I came to here, here in the, the Diocese of Dallas, where uh, we have a, a group, a spiritual group named uh, Fraternité Notre Dame du Réveil Spirituel. It's a small group. Uh, basically, they are also 8, 10, 11, 12, and they take just time to pray together because they're all from African uh, countries speaking French. Mm-hmm. So when I came, I meet with them and I try, I, I start to, 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 to come to, to accompany them uh, online. So they gave me uh, some, some topics to, to help them to know. Uh, we talk about of sacraments, we talk about of angels, we talk about of uh, uh, marriage in, in Catholic Church, a lot of things. 
And then at the end of the day, we was maybe six weeks, six weeks. And then at the at the end of this day, the, the temp, they told me, Father, we need you to to continue this kind of job. I said, Oh no, I'm just in vacation, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm in charge of a parish. I was pastor yeah. in uh, in Benin in a small parish, some some Benedict. So I told them, No, I need to go back and just to 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 finish my my work as pastor because I was at, the, at my term as pastor six years. So, and then I also take the decision to go in my sabbatical years. So they told me, okay, that's good, but we have a great event and then we need you to be here, but we also need to, to present you as our spiritual director because we are trying to be an organization non-parish based and that's a, we need to, to have a spiritual director. Yeah. So you're getting kind of pulled uh, to, exactly. to the Dallas diocese exactly. while you still feel you have a responsibility. Yeah. And I told them, all right, okay, I can, I can do that problem. But before going forward, I, I need just to go back and to talk with my superior because uh, I'm from a congregation and then I need uh, my superior to allow me to do what I have to do. So they told me uh, we ha- they have a great event, convention, charismatic convention of United States of America and Canada, North, North America. And then they told me, oh, can you just accept to, to participate? I said, yeah, sure, it's okay. And then we got, yeah, they got this event on this year at Mary Macrylet's church. Ah, okay. And then Father Michael Forge was a pastor. Yeah, yeah. And then we go for this event and they present me to Father Michael and then we, I just greet him. And during the event, a bishop, come from Africa and some priest. And at the, uh, when we finished this event, told me, Father, we definitely need you to, to be here and to continue to help us. So if you want, we can just go to see pastor of this church and ask him if you, he's okay, he's okay with accepting to, uh, to welcome you, to get you with him in this parish. Yeah. Because I told them that when I will go back, I will have my sabbatical years, which is one year for me. And I plan to come back and to be with my young brother and to improve my English, just mm. to, to go deep in my, and try to, to, yeah. to know what he, the, the pastoral also in the United States of America. Yeah. We went to see Father Michael and Father Michael said, yeah, 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 Father, you can come. Uh, we get, we get house for you and then you can just try to, to continue to lead your beautiful because Father Michael saw during the convention a lot of things. They said, ah, we can just promote this community. And then, mm. Is that, and I came back for, for, for six months, six months. Yeah, and yeah. during this six months, I was at Mary Macrae just concelebrating with Father Michael. And he allowed, allowed us to have mass only the Saturday night at 7 p.m. Okay. Just with a small community. And during these masses, people they know that, oh, there's mass, there's mass. And people are come, are come, are come. And after four months, they, they, they told me, Father, we need to, we need you to be here, so let us go uh, to ask Father Michael if it is possible to have a way and to write to the diocese and to mm. to have you here. Yeah, and you know the story start like that. Um, we write a, li- a letter. Uh, Father Michael make a cover letter. Bishop Burns and Bishop Kelly ask uh, some question to Father Michael, and finally they said, okay. That's possible to have Father Frank here to continue to, to lead this community, but 
is enough for him to work just for this community. He has to be in the parish and try to, and then right. they ask, did he uh, speak English or Spanish? If I am he speak Finnish, if I Spanish, he speak English. I said, okay, so to be a broker vicar, part-time yeah. and we lead the community of francophone community oh, okay a, oh, wow. okay well thank you that that's, yeah. that's a great explanation so previous to you being here and leading the francophone community was there a french mass or is uh, was there ever any outreach to the french community or is this brand new in, in the oh, dallas diocese okay uh, before coming here what i know is uh, that they have a small groups uh, they have a group in dallas they have a group in, in fall uh-huh. especially in saint joseph parish and then when I came, they just, uh, because they have a priest, they just said, okay, let us be together. And then they all come to Mary Immaculate for the masses. Mm. And then uh, when we, we, we take the decision to write a letter, I told them, if it is a letter, we need just to ask the chaplaincy. Chaplaincy, mm-hmm. which, which will be, we are to here and we, you, all, you guys will come over all from maybe for war, from Prosper, for, and, and, that, and that's what we do. Okay, uh, yeah. they, they came from, I don't know, they, they, we, I have people who drive for one hour before coming to the yeah, Mass. And, yeah. that's it. and I think most people, when they think of French Mass, they're going to think of people from France, of course. Yeah. Uh, but probably a large part of your community is from Africa. Is exactly. that right? It's uh, from Africa because uh, I discovered that in the Cistercian Monastery, they have a French community from France. Yeah. They have mass over there. I think that every second or third Sunday in the month. But sometimes I, I also welcome them. They came to our masses because we have mass every Sunday and they came sometimes and enjoy our celebration. Every Sunday. What time is your mass? Okay. Well, the mass is one thirty, one thirty to two thirty. Okay. In the, in the main sanctuary. And I know you said that at the beginning it was kind of a small community and then people are coming from all around. So how big is the community? How many? Okay. Is it a uh, large we, amount? We, we, start, we start with uh, maybe uh, 50 person. But today, uh, every Sunday we got between 150, 180 okay. people. Yeah. But during the great uh, uh, solemnity of the of the, of the liturgical year, uh, like uh, Christmas or especially uh, Easter, we got eighty hundred. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yes, wow. yeah, we got wow. a lot of people because you know <laughs> yeah. people come. Yeah, okay. the, yeah, 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 that's so, right. Yeah, you, try, are, you try to get them to come back. Exactly. Right? <laughs> we are growing. I know that is not easy for them to come every Sunday, but it's it's good to see uh, basically uh, a group, a yeah. fixed group. There and we are trying to walk, and we have uh, advisory council and financial council, and we got mm-hmm. a lot of groups and ministries. Also. Yeah. Now, outside of the one thirty mass on Sundays at Mary Immaculate, are there other activities? Are you providing spiritual direction? Are you having Bible studies? Is there anything else for that community? other than the Mass that, that you're offering? Okay, right now, out of the Mass, we try to have uh, some activities. Um, every every year, we go for our uh, Lent uh, time recollection, uh, and then we, we, we went to to the, the Mount um, St. Michael just to spend all the day to prepare uh, uh, to ourselves to, 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 to live the, the Lent time. Mm-hmm. That's during the... the, 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 the 
just after the ash ash Wednesday, we just take time to go and to 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 prepare this uh, kind of uh, going and to to live uh, the length time. Yeah. So after that, we have also uh, a lot of activities. Um, we we got uh, the picnic uh, that which be uh, a day for all the families to 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 be together and to to just uh, live uh, this Sunday knowing uh, each other and then and then we are also a multicultural night and uh, we got we got a, a activity program of activities mm-hmm. and then we try just to. To, to follow that. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I meet a priest like you and I hear a story and how you got here, I always think, uh, are you here for good or or could you be pulled and come, brought back to uh, your home country of Benin again? Or, or is that just kind of like, you know, God's will be done or yeah. who makes, who makes that decision? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Dave. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I cannot uh, say that uh, I would hear just forever and then to come back. No, uh, that's the, the, the call of God, you know, yeah. uh, our spirituality as you, this father is uh, to be attentive to the mercy of God. The, the mercy is uh, one of the great topic of our spirituality. So, uh, we need to just to, 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 to be aware that when God wants you somewhere, you have to be there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically with my, my superiors, they discover and I let them know that is very, very important. This, that, that mission. Have the people needs me to be here and to help them to know uh, what is what is uh, the, the church, what we have to do to be a good Christian. So that's what I'm, I'm doing right now. So mm-hmm. for me today, I'm here. I'm yeah. not uh, thinking go back and my superior know that yeah. they, they, they allow me to be here. My my provincial has to come and to meet with the the bishop here, and we. Get just to to make sure that everything is okay. So mm-hmm. no no possibility right now to go back. But anyway, right. uh, I, I like finished my mission here, and God wants me to go back. I will go back. Right, right, yeah. yeah right. We'll leave that in God's hands. Exactly. Right? exactly. So having li- you know lived in um, studied in Italy, and I think you said the Ivory Coast and Benin, and now America, and you traveled around a bit. What is your observation of the American Church? How what how is it different here? What have been your observations of the culture, American culture? Tell us about that. I'm always curious from an oh, outside, okay. outside perspective. Thank you, Dave. That's an excellent question. I was so impressed when I came here because I was not, didn't think that uh, the American church was like what I saw first in the, in the social media. I said, okay, uh, is what the, maybe uh, the, the church of, uh, I don't know, Presbyterian, Baptist did. But basically, a Catholic church, when I discover here, is a great church. I didn't know that. Uh, in Here in America, the, all the church have a lot of people. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I know I, I serve in France and in Italy as, as a chaplain, as pastor. And I know that in France, the church are so empty. Yeah. Because yeah. you can have a... Uh, elder persons, but the, the youngest, you just have to meet with them for the Christmas or Easter. Yeah. But what I saw here is amazing. For example, in Mary Immaculate, we have from Saturday to Sunday, we have nine masses. And then we have five in English, three in Spanish, and one in French. Mm-hmm. And all the masses has, is not 
I'm not, I'm not going to say that the, the church is full, but they have a lot of people. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And that's the same thing when I went to the event like ordination or I don't know, the Congress. I, I, I told one day to, to Bishop Kelly, the Bishop, I think that this diocese is a great diocese because people know that God is essential and they need to practice your faith, mm-hmm. their faith. Yeah. And then that, that's my, 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 my first thing I, I yeah. discovered. Yeah. And the second one is what the church is very, very organized. Uh, I, I go to all the, our meetings, priest meeting, priest recollection, priest retreat, and then I, I'm so happy to be here and to discover all that thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean uh, God wants me in this moment here and I'm, I'm enjoying this day. Yeah, <laughs> praise it. God. We're glad you're here. I'm just about out of time. Uh, Father Frank Agboy Y uh, is my guest, and he is the parochial vicar at Mary Immaculate Parish and Farmers Branch. He's also the chaplain of the Francophone community, which is the French-speaking community, uh, be it from France or Africa. And uh, so, Father, we only have time for... Uh, contact information if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about the community and also I was going to ask you to do a, a blessing in French and then we're <laughs> going to close out but we have about uh, 45 seconds so how do people get a hold of you if they would like to okay so uh, they can just uh, reach out to me uh, at Mary Immaculate Church yeah. uh, I have my uh, email uh, Father, Father Frank at Mary Immaculate Church dot org okay. or, or they can just call to Mary McCree Church and reach out to me. They want just to, na- to know, to say that they want to speak to Father Friend. Uh, otherwise, we have also uh, our, uh, f- we, we are on our flock note also, but just go on Mary McCree website and they got everything about our Francophone community. We got uh, our, uh, on the Mary McCree website all we need. It's all on their website. Yes, okay. Yes. All right, Father. Thank you so much. Uh, a, a blessing in French, if you would. Okay. Uh, before the blessing, I want just to say some words in French. Merci beaucoup. Uh, c'est un vrai, c'est un honneur pour moi, uh, un privilège de venir aujourd'hui dans ce studio. Merci à Dave Palmer uh, et puis à toute son équipe. Et maintenant, je vais donner la bénédiction. Le Seigneur soit avec vous et avec votre esprit. Que la bénédiction de Dieu Tout-Puissant, Père, Fils. Saint-Esprit descend sur chacun de vous, auditeurs, et demeure à jamais. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Frank. This has been the interview of the week. Thanks to James for running the board. Thanks to Father Nazar, Father Alphonse again for recommending it. And uh, hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Did you know October is still pro-life month? Join Auxiliary Bishop Greg Kelly at the annual Bilingual Respect Life Mass on Saturday, October 28th at 5 p.m. at St. Patrick Catholic Church, 9643 Ferndale Road, Dallas. Volunteers and staff of Pro-Life Apostolates will receive a special blessing. A ministry fair will be held immediately after Mass. Santa Clara of Assisi Catholic Academy in Dallas is a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. They're a faith-filled community and dual-language pre-K through 8th grade academy where your child will grow spiritually and academically. They invite you to support the parish and the academy by joining them for their fall carnival at the parish on Sunday, October 15th. Come out for great fun, food, and fellowship while supporting outstanding Catholic education. For more information, contact Principal Laura Watson at 214-333-9423 or by email at lwatson at santaclaraacademy.org. 
Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. And I am delighted to bring uh, a very interesting and important message to you over the next 25 minutes. And I got to tell you the origin of how this all happened. I recently was talking to my dear friend De- Debbie Giorgiani, who you know who Debbie Giorgiani is, the host of uh, Take Two with Jerry and Debbie and also the Spirit World. And she had come recently for a, a marriage retreat and she said, do you know Dr. Lou Iorio? And I said, no. And she said, you got to interview him. <laughs> and so I said, I'll call him right now. And so I called Dr. Lou and um, he is here and I'll tell you all about, uh, he is the founder of Wellness Patriots. And he's also a retired orthopedic surgeon. And as Debbie explained to me, Dr. Lou is doing a lot of good work in building awareness of um, human trafficking. And there's an event coming up at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco on November 5th that everybody is invited to. And it's probably going to be a packed house because this is something that is on everybody's mind, especially after you see the movie Sound of Freedom. Uh, that we want to keep our kids safe. We want to keep ourselves safe. And so Lou also brought a couple of uh, associates, uh, friends with him. I'll give just their name and title, and then uh, Dr. Lou will will turn right to you. Craig D. Burris is um, the president of the FBI Dallas Citizens Academy Alumni Association, and he joins us in studio as well. And also Scott Latta, who is a board member with Partners Against Child Trafficking, International. So those are the three gentlemen I have in studio. So Dr. Lou Iorio, thank you very much for being here and for, for bringing the other gentlemen as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us about um, Wellness Patriots and how that is associated with the work that you are doing to build awareness of uh, human trafficking. I think in particular child sex trafficking. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So Wellness Patriots is an entity that I created after I retired from my orthopedic surgical practice. Over the years, there's been a number of different initiatives that Wellness Patriots has supported. Uh, one of the most recent and one that has been uh, a focus of ours for a number of years has been the fight against human trafficking. And one of the greatest problems we've faced with that is that it's a problem that's prevalent worldwide, uh, very much so here in the United States, which is the largest purchaser of uh, uh, child sex trafficking. And uh, to give you an idea of the scope of it, worldwide about $150 billion uh, dollars are generated in human trafficking on an annual basis. Wow. And about 52% of that is in particular um, child sex trafficking. So it's a very serious problem, and that's why we're so grateful to have the uh, wonderful partnerships that we have to help build awareness with the um, FBI Citizens Academy and uh, with Partners Against Child Trafficking International. Yeah, and uh, real quickly, and then we'll get to our other guests. Uh, why, why, how did this become a, an area of interest for you personally? Why, why this? There's a lot of great causes. Uh, well, why did, how did this hit your radar screen, and why is it so important? This was something that the FBI introduced me to back when I lived in Connecticut. I'm a graduate of the FBI Citizens Academy myself uh, back in 2013. And at that time, there were, as I mentioned earlier, there have been a number of different causes which Wellness Patriots has supported. 
Uh, one of them has always been the, the wonderful work of the FBI and the FBI Citizens Academy in building a- awareness and developing that relationship between the FBI and the community that it serves. In the course of that relationship, I was asked by someone from the FBI in New Haven, Connecticut, to attend a meeting with an organization that was looking for some help and support. And uh, so I attended the meeting, and it was at that meeting that I first learned that there was such a thing as trafficking of humans, and in particular, child sex trafficking. And it was immediately clear to me what a, a horrible situation it is, and that something needed to be done to fight it. And the, the best way to fight it is to, to build awareness, and, and that's what we went about doing. And that's how I initially got involved and have continued to be involved. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, let's now turn to our other guests. As I mentioned, Craig D. Burris is president of the FBI Dallas Citizens Academy Alumni Association, which you mentioned that you were associated with as well, and you support the group. So, uh, Craig, welcome. And can you tell me a little bit more about that association and also how you got involved with Dr. Iorio? Uh, yes, happy to do so. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be here. Um, the The Dallas chapter of the um, EFBI Citizens Academy is just one of uh, 59 chapters in, in the uh, country. Uh, and as um, Dr. Arroyo mentioned, he was a member in Connecticut. Um, the uh, field office here contacted me about him and put us in touch with each other. And that's when I learned of his efforts to uh, to eradicate this trafficking. Um, the FBI overall has entire teams dedicated to child uh, crimes against children. Um, I know the director or the leader of that organization here or that team here, and he and the rest of the field office, the SAC in Dallas, um, the special agent in charge in Dallas, are all supportive of getting behind the efforts to um, make people aware of what is going on with the with the children in our neighborhoods and our communities. And I would imagine Dallas being a big city and also a lot of sporting events and we've hosted Super Bowls and you know championship games in basketball. This is probably a big hub of child trafficking. Would would I be right in saying that? Is you, that You would be right. You are correct. Yes. Um and it, it is one of the largest um markets for lack of a better term of of people uh, trying to abduct uh, children mm-hmm. and, and commit other crimes uh, against children. And well, what does the FBI do? Um, this is all obviously done very secretly, and you know, uh, you know, uh, how, can you can you share with us any of the strategies or the ways, perhaps some of the success that the FBI has had in in curbing this uh, this crime? Uh, yes. Again, I am the president of the Citizens Academy yeah. Alumni Association. I am, we operate separately and apart from the FBI, so I, I cannot speak on behalf of them as far as their specific efforts. I can tell you um, there is a lot of information available uh, through their websites and through they, they have a, a Twitter or I guess an X account uh, where all of that information is available. But they have a national program um, that they do annually to just round up as many of these traffickers as they can in addition to each individual uh, field office having their own team that is dedicated 24-7 to 
handle this problem and address this problem. And they they do this. That is their entire job. Mm-hmm. Scott Ladd, as I mentioned, board member, Partners Against Child Trafficking. Scott, welcome. Uh, tell me about this organization and how you are connected uh, with the Citizens mm-hmm. Academy and also with Dr. Iorio. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be a, a new board member for Partners Against Child Trafficking International. Uh, I got the uh, got the attention of the organization through the events that we've been uh, trying to do. Um, Partners Against Child Trafficking, they actually have peer-to-peer courses for young people to take to empower them against these child traffickers. uh, To me, it was a marvelous way to be able to empower our young people, to be able to uh, protect their friends, because they're gonna be the ones that are going to be uh, on the first line to to stop something happening on the internet when they talk to their friends or something happening in person to be peer advocates this yeah. this course teaches these other these young people to protect their friends through advocacy now, through these you, online when courses when you say young people do you mm-hmm. mean like young parents or uh, who exactly young you people i'm talking like um, anywhere from 8th to 12th grade oh, even okay. we even do work with the um, to college college okay. age so college the people age. that actually are in danger the of people being that abducted. are in danger Okay, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I remember seeing that movie Sound of Freedom recently, and mm-hmm. I, it was a great movie. But the part that uh, really I can't get out of my head is at the beginning of it when it showed actual footage mm-hmm. of children being abducted. It wasn't acting; it was. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, I, I guess this is a, the big topic. People listening right now, like myself, I've got a ten-year-old son, and. Uh, a lot of people have young children the age. Is there a particular age where people are most vulnerable to be uh, abducted and uh, sold into trafficking, or what, what's what, what are these traffickers looking for? Who are they looking for? It's it's the it's the young it's the younger it's the younger kids. I mean, you guys could probably speak more to to the to the ages than I can at this it's, point. Yes, it's it's quite mm-hmm. pervasive. Mm-hmm. It starts very young, very young. There's different types of perpetrators and different mechanisms by which the victims are, the, the process is called grooming. Sometimes it's very forcible, sometimes it's more subtle. But the, the point is that it's, uh, they look for victims of all ages. You may recall that you were talking about footage, you may recall that recently there was an event in uh, Plano where in broad daylight a trafficker was trying to abscond with a victim. And people were watching it, filming it, but nobody really interceded to help. Fortunately for that victim, she was able to fight off her trafficker and get away. But um, the the examples are everywhere. And it, it happens in all age groups from the very young uh, into the, the teenage years and beyond. And another thing to be aware of, many people think that this is a problem that is particularly um, significant for young girls, but forty percent of victims are young boys. Mm. So it's not it, it, it's pervasive. <clears throat> yeah, I remember being at a uh, uh, like a rest stop on traveling on the interstate and being with my ten year old son, and he's a he's a handsome little boy, and and I just was like, I, I don't want him out of my sight. You know, if I'm if I'm here and he, he's on the other side of the room, I, 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 and I guess that's not just being paranoid, is it? I mean, that this is the the way that we need to live. Anybody can jump in. The way we need the parents need to live these days is be hyper vigilant. Would you say, Craig? Yes, you have to be aware of your your child's uh, behavior, changes in behavior. Uh, speaking from personal experience as a private investigator uh, and working cases with. Uh, individuals who who contacted me to try to find their their um, children. Um, 
some of the signs of a teenager would be leaving the house without a license, uh, driver's license, uh, a cell phone, because you're not going to leave, a teenager's not going to leave their cell phone behind. And I've found in, in many cases the traffickers are controlling them and they're telling them to do that, leave that behind, and what they'll do is provide uh, a cell phone for them to use that they uh, become dependent on that trafficker. Um, what, what, you know, in a worst case scenario, a child, you know, is, is abducted, is taken from, you know, a grocery store or something like that. What, what typically happens to that child? Are they taken immediately to another country? Are they taken to a camp or anybody speak on that? Uh, what, 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 what's the next stage of uh, that grooming process that you're talking about? The first stage of the grooming process is when they isolate them. As Craig just mentioned, they sever communications in many cases with uh, anyone to whom they're familiar. But also keep in mind that a lot of victims are still living at home and going to school, and their parents don't even know that they're being trafficked when they think they're actually at school. Sometimes they're with their traffickers. So it's... um, There are are different uh, processes that take place, but usually there is a period of isolation where the the person who is the trafficker is developing uh, the relationship with the victim that's called grooming. And then once that um, trafficker feels that he has uh, the ability to exert the type of control that uh, Craig was talking about when they sever communications through the normal channels and just are under the constant uh, watchful eye and supervision and communication of the trafficker, that's when the trouble really starts. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing social media is a place where you talk about this grooming process, developing a relationship. Uh, Scott, can you speak about that? Uh, what the uh, maybe some tips for parents who have children. Most, most, you know, as Craig alluded to, most of the kids don't want to give up their phones, and most of them are on TikTok and you know Instagram yeah. and all that. <laughs> so, what what should a parent do to make sure that the children are only speaking to peers and not you know some forty five year old man and you yeah. know across town and oh, who's yeah. posing as a you know yeah. a fifteen year old? So, social media is definitely a big danger danger point, even statistically. It is the, if not the, the highest possibility on there. The um, young kids just need to be, um, um, I guess, parents need to be very vigilant about what their kids are have susceptible to on their phones. Uh, I know for me, as a father of two, um, I would look at my kids' phones, make sure that I knew what they were looking at mm-hmm. um, and who were they were talking to, and was involved in what they were kind of doing as much as I was able to. Um, Craig, the the, the the movie, you know, Sound of Freedom a lot, had a lot to do with uh, the, the Jim Caviezel character seeking out and trying to find one, I think it was a, what, a brother and a sister, right? Uh, if somebody does lose a child, what are, what are the chances based on the work of great groups like you all and the, the FBI and other government agencies, is the chance high that they're ever going to see that child again or is, is that not typically the case? I don't have the statistics, but the sooner that um, authorities are made aware, the better the chances are. Um, That's probably an obvious answer. Um, But uh, unfortunately, it's it. I know it's not a a a guarantee that you're gonna to find that child. It is very difficult uh, once they have been 
uh, caught up in that system. But again, I don't have the statistics. Mm-hmm. That- uh, we are talking about uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking in particular against uh, children. Uh, my in-studio guest, Dr. Lou Iorio, who is a founder, the founder of Wellness Patriots, uh, their website, wellnesspatriots.com. He's also a retired orthopedic surgeon. We also have Craig D. Burris in studio, president of the FBI Dallas Citizens Academy Alumni Association, and Scott Latta, Partners Against Child Trafficking International board member. And uh, let's uh, get to the event on November 5th. I mean, and what is the purpose of that? And obviously, people listening right now probably would be very intrigued. Uh, Dr. Iorio, what, what will happen uh, that day? And also so maybe that, some the time and when, when it will happen. That, that day, there are going to be a, a number of important things happening. Um, first of all, the, the focus of all of our joint efforts is to build awareness. These gentlemen in studio today represent our partner organizations that are critically important in advancing uh, that effort because that's, to, to re- as Craig indicated in responding to your question, time is of the essence in identifying when someone has become <coughs> a victim and trying to interrupt that process. The sooner you're aware, the sooner uh, parents know what to look, the, be- the more attuned parents are to the signs of potential trafficking, the more able they are to protect their children. The, the work of the FBI and of the Partners Against Child Trafficking is critical in many ways. Uh, these gentlemen re- represent organizations that are basically the, the head of the spear, so to speak. And so the first and most critically important part of this process is being able to give people the tools that they need to be able to identify when they're at risk and to know what resources are available to to help extract them from that risk. That's what the event at St. Francis is all about. It's a, a program where the FBI has prepared content that describes the, what makes young children today unsafe in what we call the global neighborhood. You were asking about how they get exposed. One of the key things to keep in mind is that the more portable a device, the higher the risk to the child. So something like a smartphone that a child can access the global neighborhood, if you will, where they don't know who they're dealing with. Actually, the the FBI's program is entitled how to remain safe in a global neighborhood. Um, So understanding that portable devices pose the highest risk and the importance of parental supervision. And as Scott was saying, having tools built into these devices to track where young people are going, those things are all critical. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, uh, you know, you mentioned $150 billion a year industry, so to speak, of uh, uh, sex trafficking, which was just a staggering amount of money. That's probably more than professional sports brings in, I'm guessing. Uh, And so we got a subculture here, but these customers have to be communicating with the people providing the, you know, air quote service. Um, That seems like something that could be tracked. Um, Can anybody speak on that or how are these people communicating with each other? Uh, and uh, might that be a way of trying to intercept some uh, and find out, uh, Craig, any, any information on how um, that that might be uh you know, infl- yeah. infiltrated. That is part of the process that uh, FBI agents use. Uh, they will 
if if they are able to uh, get a hold to the cell phones that are being used, they can they can go back and track certain communications and try to pinpoint where where the information is where the uh, uh, communication originated. Um, again, I can't go through their whole process, but uh, I mentioned before that they have a, a nationwide program every year is annually that they uh, every field office in the country uh, coordinates. And this year was the 13th year that they've done that. And they they located over 200 um, victims, and but they were able to bring 59 back home safely. Um, again, the the percentages that you were asking about of success, that's something that came to mind. Um, but they are very diligent, and they, they work very hard to find mm-hmm. these children. Scott, when I go home and talk to my 15-year-old daughter tonight, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to say these are some tips I learned from some gentlemen on a radio show today. Mm-hmm. What would I say to her? If you could just give me a couple, what, what would I tell my 15 year old daughter? A, that you love her very much. And okay. you, as a dad, you want to protect her and keep her safe and know that as a dad, as a parent, that you're always the one to go to no matter what, no matter what. And because of that, I love you so much. I want to make sure that you're safe through these things on your phone to be able to know kind of where you've been at and who you've been talking to and all that. And it's all done out of love. Really all down in love. One of the resources that are available to you, not only as a father, but to your young daughter, is this Partners Against Child Trafficking peer-to-peer training course. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 as a teenager, it's going to empower them with the knowledge on what to do if they run into a situation. It's also going to empower them to know what to do with their friends if their friends are in a scary situation to be able to get them out. And that's something that they're going to know prior to the mom or a dad. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Iorio, we'll, we'll uh, close with you, and let's uh, uh, talk about the, the event again on November 5th, St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco, one of the largest, uh, I'm guessing it's going to be in the, the church itself, so you can yes, have a lot of it, people well, in. Yes, they've made their entire campus available. It's going to be in the main church. It's going to be in the chapel. It's going to be in the great rooms. Great, great hall. We're yeah. expecting a large crowd. There's going to be political people, a senator who has written a lot of legislation on anti-human trafficking, is going to be uh, joining us. And it'll all be starting at uh, around 7 p.m. on November 5th at St. Francis of Assisi in Frisco. I'm guessing a lot of people listening right now are going to circle their calendar and make sure the plans to be that. Um, As we close out, just about a minute and a a half remaining, uh, any websites where parents or anybody listening right now can go to uh, i mentioned wellnesspatriots.com i don't know you said i think you said there isn't a lot i think there, the but best to go for resources on how to protect children and their peers is pactedu.org that's p-a-c-t-e-d-u.org okay and does that have to do with yeah uh, with the course group, the right? course is actually free online it is, oh, it is. free okay. online and so hop that on website. that phone on their website p-a-c-t-e-d-u.org all right dr lou iorio thank you very much uh, great to speak with you craig d burris again president fbi dallas citizens academy alumni association thanks for being here today and also uh, Scott Latta, Partners Against Child Trafficking International. Probably the two most important things I'll reiterate is go to that website and uh, check out the training course, pactedu.org, P-A-C-T-E-D-U.org. And also don't forget 7 p.m., November 5th, uh, what day of the week is that? That's uh, a Sunday evening. Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, St. Francis of Assisi Parish on Eldorado Parkway in Frisco. So be there, and you're going to learn a lot more than we, we could uh, really share in these 25 minutes. Thanks mm-hmm. to Cecil Anderson for running the board. Thank you for listening. This has been the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you.
Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. The Guadalupe Radio Network thanks Little Elm Eye Care for their support of local Catholic radio. Little Elm Eye Care is owned by Drs. Burt and Leslie Bubella, parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco. They specialize in family vision care, comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and the treatment of eye diseases and injuries. Little Elm Eye Care is located at 1200 East El Dorado Parkway, Suite 100, across from the Little Elm Athletic Complex. They can be reached by calling 972-2920. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone.